what can you do to create the opportunity for people to find out what their best is? Even the phrasing of getting people to perform at their best. It's like, what, what can we do to create the conditions where any individual's highest performance is found? You get role clarity, role acceptance and role performance. And that's the kind of trio that you're always looking for. Be really, really expert in understanding the resource you do have and be really expert in understanding what great delivery looks like where you make the most of the resource that you do have. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Ruddock, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events, and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 25 of the Gymnastics Growth Show. In this episode, I interview Dr. Chris Shambrook, a highly experienced sports psychologist who spent 22 years and five Olympics as GB Rowing's psychology consultant, playing an integral role in developing their culture, winning mindset and the high-performing program that it is today. Chris, who is a director of Planet K2, now spends his time helping some of the most recognisable brands improve their performance, adopting the lessons learned from his extensive experience at Olympic sport and applying them to everyday life. Chris recently joined myself and my Inner Circle members for a fascinating day, and I knew right there that it was time to also get him on the podcast. In this episode, we focused on people development, cultural change, and how organizations can get the most from their teams. Do let me know what you think of this episode by sharing your thoughts on social media, tagging me at Nick Ruddock and using the hashtag gymnasticsgrowth. Here's episode 25 with Dr. Chris Shambrook. So Dr. Chris Shambrook, thank you so much for joining us today. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem at all. A pleasure to be here and great to check in with you as ever, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last time we touched base was at the Inner Circle meeting that you came to to deliver some content. And uh, my members are still always talking about that and the points that you made on the day. So uh, certainly made an impact. And I'm sure that this podcast will have the uh, the same effect. So thank you very much. Um, The world that you're involved in, you know, historically, of course, has been very much a bias towards the uh, high performance sport world. You've done a lot of work at Olympic level and contributed to some um, well, some medals really at Olympic level with some of the organizations that you've worked with. And you're now doing a lot of work still within sport, but also within businesses, aren't you? Helping them to maybe pull the lessons from performance sports so they can perform at a higher level. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It is. You know, just I think for, for me, the um, umbrella concept is human performance. Um, and whether it's people trying to perform at the Olympic level in sport or people in the commercial environment trying to do what they need to do to be successful is, is trying to get to the heart of those principles psychologically and, and see where there's transfer both ways really to add value. Yeah, awesome. And uh, no, I think that's right. There's a lot the business world can learn from sport, but there's probably a lot that we can learn from the business world also. Um, it works vice versa. Uh, your your world of is high performing, isn't it? It's how to get people to perform at their best. Is it yeah. important that we differentiate what high performing in is and high performance is? Like are they two different yeah, areas? Yeah, I think so. I th- so. So there's definitely, you know, given given the diversity of environments that we work in, it, it's it's always talking about what can you do to create the opportunity for people to find out what their best is. Even the phrasing of getting people to perform at their best. It's like what what can we do to create the conditions where any individual's highest performance is found? It's that kind of stuff which is really important and that's why 
for me, this is all about uh, fulfilling potential. You know, what, what's the what's the opportunity for any environment to help someone fulfill their potential while they're in it, whether that means an Olympic gold medal or whether that means, you know, d- doing a move that someone never thought they were capable of at, at a certain age. You know, it's it's finding that potential. Yeah. And so are there certain um, foundational things that you would, when you go into to work with an organization, whether it's a sport or a business, what are some of the, the earliest questions that you're asking them or the earliest findings that you're looking for? So, so have it, having started in sort of, you know, the world of sport and working a lot in rowing and then transferring into the business world, yeah, whether working with a crew of two athletes and a coach or you're working with the board of an organization actually the the similar questions come up to begin with you know what why does this unit or this organization exist um so that's kind of a picture of success piece that you know you're sort of getting out there um what are your measures of success that show you that you're improving the performance parameters that you know that are going to help you deliver the thing that you're after and and how do you want to go about stuff on a day-to-day basis what's the mindset what's the behaviors um so whether it whether it's a small unit or a large organization you know going from some overall values that are connected to why we're doing this and getting and getting a shared vision through to some of the sort of more measurable but then the day-to-day behaviors and mindset i think for me those are the things i'm always always interested in how much do they already exist how contemporary and relevant are they and what value are they providing people who get motivation from each of those in different ways? Yeah. And am I right in saying that it's quite often that you can go into organizations and they just wouldn't have clarity on those answers? Is that right? I, I think I think there are many things that are in place which are typically measurements. Um, so you get certainly commercially, you get loads of things that are being measured and loads of targets that are being set, which actually are about outcomes. So, it, you know, it's it's a little bit like, you know, at a gymnastics club, just telling each athlete what school you want them to be able to get on each bit of apparatus um, and just constantly asking them whether they've got that school yet and wh- when they think they're going to be able to get it. There's, there's just so much focus on sort of specific measurable outcomes, but not enough around the, you know, well, why might we all be here in the first place? What are we trying to achieve above and beyond getting these scores in place? So you usually find there's, some some useful stuff but there isn't all of the detail around it to help capture the hearts and minds and and help people people keep growing and stay you know contributing in the best way that they can to the culture as well as being able to benefit from the culture themselves yeah yeah and I certainly see that myself when I when I walk into clubs and I'm speaking to the coaches um this is obviously a a more on the technical side of the delivery of coaching but a lot of them will say, you know, I don't know why this athlete's not motivated. You know, we've sat down and we've set her targets, yet she doesn't seem to want to work. And again, that's probably echoing the same message. It's like it's all well and good setting an outcome. What you're basically alluding to here is it's day to day behaviours which are going to produce that outcome. And so as organisations and coaches, we should focus more on what are these daily behaviours that are going to lead us to the outcome in the first place? You know, how do we yeah, need to absolutely. behave? Yeah, well, you know, if you look at original goal setting theory, it, it was it was designed as a way of helping harness motivation so, so that, you know, goals are used to pop a target in front of someone and then you make attempts to see how effectively you can get close to that target. And then you use the feedback that you can that you get from the attempt to decide what you're going to do next. So it's it's an interactive process of using a target to help learn and grow and build confidence and therefore motivation follows 
rather than, you know, we just get this interpretation of, well, if we set a goal, that's job done, isn't it? You know, the, 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 I, I always think that it should have been called goal reviewing rather than goal setting. Because yeah. if, if it had been called goal reviewing from the first instance, people would kind of go, right, there's something that I need to be checking in with and evaluating regularly rather than goal setting, where you just kind of go, well, I've done the goal setting, let's watch the magic happen. Yeah. So what's the kind of byproduct of organizations not doing this nature of work, do you think? Um, so in, instantly you do lose the opportunity to have regular helpful conversations that keep motivation topped up. And, and you know, so if, let, let's just consider the reality that most people will join any kind of club organization with a pretty high level of motivation in the first place. And if we look at self-determination theory, that says where people feel that they've got a sense of choice, control or autonomy, they'll be more motivated. Where they feel confident and competent, they'll feel more motivated. And when they feel connected and affiliated to something, they'll feel more motivated. So when you start setting these broader sort of visions and, you know, purpose goals and, and useful measurables, you've instantly got the chance to regularly sit down with people and sort of, you know, help them keep making choice and feeling control of how they're going to take the opportunities ahead of them. You regularly get to feedback progress and build confidence in a systematic and helpful manner. But more importantly, you're able to keep connecting people together to be part of something that, you know, if we weren't part of this organization, we wouldn't have all of these opportunities to be in and around people that are similar to us, that we benefit from, that we can work with, that we can support and challenge. So if you don't have these things, it's a lot harder to keep people feeling in control, confident and connected. Mm. And on a human level, those things are just really important. So, so you just kind of see people feeling not very in control, not having concrete confidence and feeling a bit kind of on their own and isolated, which kind of misses the, the reason for getting something started collectively in the first place. Yeah, and that whole concept of c collective team and shared yeah. vision is lost without being connected in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, not not everyone is joining because the connectedness piece is the most important motivational ingredient for them. But you'd want to make sure that you've got it present for people to be able to benefit from. And then when it is present, how do we maximize it in the same way? How do we maximize confidence? How do we maximize choice, control, autonomy? Yeah, yeah. I guess that that sense of connectedness is uh, I've certainly seen in a lot of high performing organizations that they've they've created an identity, uh, which is a, which is linking back to your first question of why do we exist? Um, yeah. You know that that real sense of identity that they are part of something which is almost greater than the outcome that they're working for anyway. It's that sense of sense of community, isn't it? And this is what we are. This is what we represent. Yeah, and 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 being able to share in multiple versions of success, then you know, so so we can collectively do something that gives us all a, a great sense of pride, whether that's you know making progress or or delivering some kind of result and outcome. Um, but that you know that that's really important for me that you, you get the opportunity to really you know build on build on that um, collective sense, uh, and and you know it's easy to take it for granted that, well, you know, if we, if we get in a space together, that stuff's going to exist, but you know, you, you've got to keep working on it. Yeah, absolutely. And what sort of frequency do you recommend that these organizations are are reflecting and, and bringing their team together to have these conversations? I mean, it could be quite an open question because it depends on the state of the organization when you start, but yeah, yeah, it does. I, I, I think for me, it's helpful where I start thinking about, um, how regularly would we want to check in with how 
effectively our points of focus and our goals and targets are working with us. So rather than necessarily a reflection, I'd have something that is more of a kind of a feed forward model Mm -hmm. and say, look, let's every four months sit down and just check in with how are we feeling about our, our why, what, how goals? What value are they providing us for the moment? How can we update them? What's coming up over the next few months where we can really take advantage of that? So I, I think, I, you know, and I am biased coming from a, from a sport perspective that, you know, everything else that we do is planned and organized to train and keep things developing. You know, you, you, don't, you don't think, you know, when should we next, you know, look at how effectively someone's doing a move without practicing it regularly. You're constantly thinking, let's do the practice and let's see if, see if we're progressing. So, I, you know, that feed forward model is is really key and i'd say you know every three to four months there's usually something coming up that's going to be useful and you've usually had a decent chunk of experiences to check in with how motivational the qualities still are for you um and and you get to keep engaging and updating and working out what the opportunity is to bring alive the goals and and the 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 sense of togetherness that exists at the moment so you know work out I'd work it out that way, forward looking three to four months, you know, you know, the collective conversations and whether that's with just, you know, people in leadership positions or whether that's with, you know, gymnasts as well. Decide who you want involved in those conversations because, you know, it, it helps people keep feeling part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very proactive approach as opposed to being a reactive approach, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it, now obviously four months still could seem like they're quite um, spaced out throughout the year, yeah. you know, three opportunities yeah. there. Uh, am I right in saying that you would be having much smaller check-ins on a, even a daily basis, just making sure that the team are on track and they're fe- everyone's feeling okay? And Yeah. Sort of yeah. And, and I, I, I think that comes down to, you know, how effectively you've done the due diligence of saying, here's our overall structure of why we exist, what we're looking to measure ourselves on collectively from a success point of view. Here's our day-to-day behaviors and mindset. If you've if you've got those things and you're working hard to bring it alive for each person, you've then got these multiple versions of living the mission through single relationships that are in place. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be helping someone each day play their part in you know contributing to, to demonstrate in the, the the attitudes and the behaviors to sort of contributing to some of the standards that we want to be measuring ourselves against to getting the value from the overall purpose so yeah there's there's making it real and relevant for each person but also asking them the questions about how do you feel about these things how are they working for you and what additional things can we help you focus on as well to to, to bring maximum um sense of engagement for you as well yeah so so as a leader if you're a person that's driving this organization and really um you know working hard to to achieve what we're talking about here it's really important that they're connected and in touch with their their team isn't it if you've got a leader that is so busy and they're so caught up with the day-to-day running of the organization themselves and they might not have the attention or the focus to be able to build these relationships and consider these things. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the the busyness from a leader's point of view, for me, is always around um, being in a position where they're doing the right stuff to be informed about how everything is going. So, so get busy having conversations. So you've got that. You've got the pulse of of the people, the people, and how they're thinking and feeling. So you can keep using your leadership position to keep thinking about. How are we progressing? How are we tracking? You know, what what can I do? What can I influence? So yeah, get get busy by, 
I think, you know, the, the, the business management phrase is managing by walking about, you know, yeah. go, go and actually have the conversations and, and, and get involved and, you know, um, gather the perspectives of the people who are the culture. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's that's the main thing for me. So you're facilitating really, you're facilitating the development of the team, aren't you, by making sure they've all got the tools that they need, including the mental tools and the emotional tools yeah. Yeah. to be able to achieve that outcome rather than necessarily the micromanagement of everybody. Um, you're, you're giving people the autonomy that you mentioned earlier to be able to to, to drive the team towards that that shared outcome. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that, that also then, you know, it just keeps the daily... Well, all the weekly conversations going that keep fueling the motivation. You know, it, it keep, you know, it's clear that as a leader, I'm asking people what they think and you know what their ideas are. So there's a sense of choice, and you know, they're 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 being involved in things. I'm probably getting the chance to reinforce some stuff that I hear from them that I'm really impressed with. So I get to do some confidence building stuff as well, as well as being able to kind of give some updates on. And here's how it's all going for all of us. And, you know, here's the role that you've been playing. And that's been really helpful. So you, you, you're getting the chance to you, you converse in a way that influences the ingredients of motivation to be in the best health possible all the time, rather than what you see in a lot of instances is people will only deal with those ingredients when they have become absent enough to warrant some kind of crisis intervention. Yep. motivation's gone through the floor so we'd better do something about it and you know that's that just doesn't make sense yeah yeah so within the gymnastics world um a lot of teams are made up from previous athletes you've got athletes that transition from athletes into coaching um or they might be a generally quite a young workforce you've got you know coaches that come in part-time yep. um it's not necessarily a career for them but they're it's getting them some money in. And I know one of the challenges, one of the main challenges of working with my clients and around the world is, you know, how do you get some of these younger individuals on board with a shared vision and a mission, et cetera, when they're only coming in the gym three times a week for two hours at a time. And the most important thing for them is more about getting a paycheck rather than, you know, really worrying about that collective level of performance. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think a um, couple of things there Number one is is role clarity. So if, if people are coming in and they are going to be a part of an organization, whether that's a full time or a part time, they, they have a role to play. So I'd be having the conversation that goes along the lines of, look, actually, if your role didn't exist and you personally weren't the, the individual in this role, here's some of the things that wouldn't happen that will help us be successful as a club. Mm. So let's just be really clear about the value and the importance of you, even if it is two hours a week. These are two hours that make a difference and we want you to be able to bring the best of yourself and the best focus to those two hours because if we get those added up through the course of the year, look at how your role has a material impact upon us collectively. But I'd also be looking at establishing that in terms of the knock-on effect to, you know, the the key relationships that that person actually has. You know, where where do they sort of interact with other people and what's that domino effect that they can have? So they might not be in the club for a huge amount of time, but their impact is felt beyond the amount of time they're there. So that role clarity bit, I think, is is really important. And 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 I think I'd I'd also just be exploring some of the conversations that go along the lines of, you know, what else are you doing outside of here? And how can some of the time that you do spend here support your development in a way that helps out in other things that are important in your life as well? So there's there's a bit of kind of 
you know, less transactional stuff and there's more of a two-way transfer of yeah. uh, expertise, knowledge, skill, confidence, whatever it might be. Yeah, again, it makes people people feel more connected to the organisation. That yeah. word transactional is quite quite key, isn't it? Instead of you're going to do two hours of this, we're going to give you this much money. It, yeah. it just it just taking it a lot deeper than that, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and and maybe even asking the question within within two hours, what do you you know what what feels like uh, a really satisfactory contribution for you? You know, if if everything was going superbly and each of those two hours were the best two hours of your week, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, if you were coming in and energy levels are a little bit lower, but you're still up for it, what would that look like in terms of the contribution? And, you know, and then what's the bare minimum that you'd expect of yourself, given the role that you're playing, who you are, the personal standards, what, what's the bare minimum? So, again, if we've got some degrees of... Um, if we've got some different degrees of of, of uh, targeting there, you've also got people being able to be uh, motivated in, in in a few different ways as well. Yeah, nice, really nice. F- for me, from my previous experience, obviously I'm, I'm not employed now. I'm self-employed, but I've had you know a few different roles. Role clarity has been a very important aspect of um, of I guess how content I've been with with roles and also how some of those roles have then broken down as well you know uh, having some blurred lines between who's responsible and accountable for what um what where the line is drawn between your role and, and what you're supposed to be doing and another person um and I guess it's important to also recognize um how your role contributes to the organization but be really really clear how other people's does as well really clear how together connectedly as a team obviously you're you're working towards that shared vision and mission um but am i right in saying that there's there's quite often a number of times where people do blur their roles between others and that creates conflict that's certainly what i've experienced myself yeah yeah definitely and and, and that typically happens as, as a function of there not being the regular enough conversations around role clarity uh, and and there being you know you get role creep and you get role duplication um, and you get people who have done similar roles before, uh, and it's hard for them to kind of accept a new way of doing things in this instance. So yeah, yeah, regularity of role conversations is is really important. So um, and th- so you know you get role clarity, role acceptance, and role performance, and that's the kind of trio that you're always looking for. Yeah, nice. Okay, so how would you address uh, an individual within the organisation that does seem to be underperforming? Because this, this does happen a lot, of course. Um, yeah. If if we're going to be great at, at tracking performance at all levels, then it, understandably we're going to have times where people are not quite fulfilling their their objective and role. What's what's your general approach to that? So, I, I again again it's trying to get into a proactive mindset here about what what are some of the things that if we've consistently got them in place. We probably don't have to worry so much about people underperforming. We, we, we are just having regular performance conversations, which are making sure that we're calibrated and that we're taking the next steps together, depending upon what our views are. So, you know, I, I would definitely say if you've got a really clear why, what, how structure within the organization and you've got the, the behavioral piece and the mindset piece, you've got some really good opportunities to sort of be regularly checking in and having conversations about how well do you think you're role modeling the behaviors, you know, which which particular attitudes do you think you're leading with at the moment? Are they, you know, how are they feeling for you in terms of effectiveness and, and impact uh, that they're having compared to how they have been? You're starting to have those conversations on the 
the cultural level. You've then also got similar clarity around, okay, in your role, what does success look like? What are some of the measures of success for you personally? How do you think you're doing? This is how I think you're doing. If we've got that regular feed forward and feedback going on around, you know, in the same way that you would work with a gymnast around some technical stuff, you're regularly checking in, you're watching video back, you're evaluating, and you're kind of going, right, and so this is how we can make the next step. This is what we can tighten up. This is what we can look to get more consistent. This is how we can have more composure. You've got that model based upon having criteria in place. So I think as long as you're doing a really good job of helping each person understand what the key criteria are, where they currently are, and calibrating your view with their view, and then talking about what next to either consolidate or move on, if someone's underperforming, that's just an updated conversation that says, hey, look, you know, these things have slipped back a little bit, but in the same way that we look to move on when you made progress, here's how we can sort of um, take a, a consolidating step to help you move forward. Um, but you'd just be having that same type, that, that, that consistent, diligent approach so that you're not having to surprise people with a conversation that kind of says, we've noticed you haven't been doing very well for a while and we think we'd better help you out. Yep. And, and, and that, you know, so... Just, just get into that mindset of, you know, even, whether you're devastated or delighted with what you're seeing, the net result is still going to be, how do we move on from here? We kind of get in the way of ourselves of worrying that because it's a kind of the, the, the less positive emotions that it's, it's more difficult or it's different. So I just think, you know, just contract with people to say, we're going to be having these great conversations, which are always about improving. Um, and we'll be doing that from different positions. Yep. But let's see how well we can do it and see which ones we find easier, but see how effectively we can translate that across any situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, I think yeah. it just sounds like a very supportive way of of dealing with your organisation, your employees, isn't it? It's a, it's collective performance. We're in this together. What yeah. can we do together? Something isn't and, right. And realistic. I think, I think it's realistic. You know, yeah. that we, we know that in any endeavour where you're trying to improve, there are periods where the improvement is not happening and we also know there's periods where it feels like you're going backwards so we, we you know we may as well be ready for those and and be curious about how well we can you know coach react respond be coached in those different situations yeah yeah what, what's definitely coming across to me here is just the importance and it sounds obvious based on what you said but just the the audience of staying connected with your team by just having daily conversations and building good relationships with the people that you're working alongside uh, as a leader, you know, if you're not if you're not making time for these conversations, you're just never going to be able to get stuck into this kind of content, are you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the important thing here is that it becomes a uh, a shared conversation. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like the leader needs to be the person who is initiating every. So you know, it becomes like they're they're at the, the center of a wheel with all of these spokes coming out from them, and they're in charge of each spoke. Yeah, but actually. Once the spokes know that, you know, well, this is the kind of conversation I regularly have, you, you get people leading the conversation with you as the leader. Mm-hmm. And, and, and therefore, you know, and that's part of the development process, I think, as well. Who do I need to be initiating the conversations with more first? Because, you know, I'm coaching them to play their part in this. Who are the people who are used to it and starting to really add value and, and, and lead me in them? And who are the people that are really flying with this stuff? that perhaps I can start getting them having some conversations of a similar nature with other other members of the team as well. So yeah, again, it's it's the 
overall development of the cultural ingredients rather than just thinking about what's happening in the gym on the apparatus yeah yeah and the big piece here is if you haven't done that groundwork that you talked about earlier you know the three questions why do you exist what's your measure of success and how do you want to go about it then it's different it's difficult to link all these daily conversations to something isn't it you've got to have done that body of work first so that people know the context behind what performance is going to look like what you're working towards where you want to be in six months to 12 months time yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if we've got this mentality of we're checking in every few months with how well is that structure working for us, we're, we're not, we don't become slaves to it where it never changes. Mm. You're getting the opportunity to kind of update, refine it, you know, uh, uh, rather than, okay, well, we've said this is this is the measures of success and, you know, we're never allowed to change them. Find, you know, keep updating, keep refining and, and find the stuff that has the greatest motivational impact across everyone. Yeah. I think I've seen some gold standard examples of this, but I've also seen um, in in professional sports some large organisations that that do the the body of work initially, but then don't live and breathe it on a day to day basis. You know, they they've they've got the quotes on the walls, they've got all the yeah. they've got all the values written down, clearly defined. They've got these these environments which culturally look aesthetically appealing. They look like wow, this is a high performing organisation. But actually, then when you see the athletes and coaches begin you realize that actually it's all just being ignored it's not it's not front of mind yeah it's almost like a tick box exercise right let's define our values okay got those down now this is why we exist this is what we need to do however no one's living and breathing that yeah yeah and you know and i do think the world of sport doesn't have so much of an excuse because we do know that having a high boredom threshold about talking about the same stuff when it comes to technical execution you know people are very very good at that yeah, exceptional at it, you know, because, and you know, that's the art of coaching exquisite skill and, and, you know, delivery of that. It's the repetition. It's the desire to kind of keep coming back to foundation principles. So if we can take that attribute and say, and how do we apply that to something that is kind of, it, it, there's less touch and feel to it, but it's, it's, it's just as important. Um, let's be curious about that. And, and, and also I think it's, it, it, it's also, being confident that you don't have to keep coming up with new ways of doing that all the time. You know, so I think regularly when you begin a session, you know, just checking in with, right, here's, here's one of our values or here's one of our measures of success. Today's session gives us an opportunity to work on that. Or here's a, here's an attitude that's going to be particularly helpful for us to bring into the session. Let's see what we can do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, just linking and labeling very regularly. Um, and, and then sort of asking for, for feedback as well. You know, how have the values helped you this week? What what do you think you've contributed to in terms of overall um, feel of the culture this week? Yeah, asking the questions, having the conversations, not so people feel they're being caught out, but because you want to know, is it working? Is it making a difference? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the word culture there. Um, mm. What we're talking about here is coaching the environment as opposed to just coaching the athletes, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's cultural engineering. How does yeah. this environment need to look, feel? Um, what does it need to look like on a day-to-day basis for us to achieve that outcome? So I think, um, yeah, really sort of important stuff. I'm sure that the audience are going to be pulling away a lot from this. I'm sort of frantically taking notes myself and then thinking, well, actually, I'm able to listen to it again, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, what about for um, remote teams? So teams that are, and I guess not within the gymnastics world, that's less relevant, but let's take an organisation which maybe has got three different sites You've got a gymnastics mm-hmm. organization that works on three different venues, but you've only got one leader really that is, uh, when I say one leader, I mean one person that's uh, maybe the business owner, for example. 
Yeah. Obviously, the challenge is that they're not uh, seeing these people on a day-to-day basis, or maybe it is though those members of staff that that only come in Saturday for two hours. They're not able to attend meetings in person, etc. What what ways? can we make sure that we're still drip feeding all of this good content to them and having these conversations or, or sharing the message with them for people that you don't see so frequently? I, I, I think, yeah. And, and yeah, virtual working is, is increasingly a challenge. And, and I think it does become uh, even more important that those principles of the why, what, how are very much in place, but then it's, it's doing the due diligence around okay how does it look for this site how does how do you bring that to life what does that mean for you here and doing that with each of the sites to kind of get some some ownership and some uh, some unique ways in which it's going to create feel and value in, in in each part but the other the other bit that's really important is is trying to develop that connectedness piece where there's a culture of sharing of um knowledge that's being gained sharing of successes desire to contaminate you know beyond the four walls of your particular structure because we are one organization what are some of the behaviors of sharing of making stuff available generously of you know if we do get the chance to kind of do some transfer of people across to 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 get that a more personal sharing rather than doing everything online what what can we do there as well so that you you'd be looking to see how quickly you can get some knowledge in one area and you'd be targeting yourself as to see how quickly that can bring, have, deliver value in the two other areas. And you'd start feeding back on that and sort of taking pride where that does happen. Um, but I, I think it just becomes part of the opportunity there to you know make it real for each venue so that there's a sense of connectedness and togetherness, mm-hmm. but also keep reminding each other about the opportunity and the responsibility to be making a difference to the to the other two physical structures that you don't actually see but we you know that's a measure of success for us as well yeah i guess we should, we we're making the assumption that everyone who's within the organization wants to wants to be there and is a shared passion isn't it really of course but there might also be cases of the fact that there's there are times where employees don't really want to be part of the organization they're they're part of it because they feel they have to i certainly yeah. know that one of the challenges within the gymnastics community at the minute is a real lack of of coaches which are available um and as a result of that what's what many clubs do is they compromise maybe what their their performance standards they would choose for them to be because they know <laughs> that they they have little other choice it's a case of we don't have you know, the opportunity to cherry pick here from 15 or 20 talented coaches that fit nicely into our organisation. We've actually only got um, this body of staff available. We can't lose anybody because we need them. We can't replace them. Um, and I certainly know that's one of the challenges that a lot of organisations are having because for, for whatever reason, there is a, um, a void of, of gymnastics coaches coming through into the system. Yeah. It's a tricky one. Uh- Really, really tricky. But but I, I think, again, for me, from the performance psych perspective, the yep. pragmatic approach to that is, is always around be really, really expert in understanding the resource you do have yep. and be really expert in understanding what great delivery looks like where you make the most of the resource that you do have. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're superb at that, if you are able to then increase resource, you then hold yourself accountable to getting very specific impact and more value added. That that mindset of holding yourself accountable to what you've got is far more beneficial than being focused on what you would like to have, but being 
um, painfully aware every day that you're nowhere near that level of resourcing that would make a difference. Mm. That 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 for me just means that you're getting better at building in excuses for not helping people find out how good they can be in your environment right now because it's instantly well obviously you can't do this because we haven't got X or you can't we can't make that happen because this person this role doesn't exist. Start focusing in on what does excellent look like with the resource that we do have okay and how close to it, how close to that are we getting on a regular basis and what does that give us the, the the opportunity to do in terms of perhaps setting ourselves a more challenging next step mm-hmm. that we'd get a great deal of pride from so it's definitely that sort of zero counting up to see how high you can get rather than starting from 100 and working out that we're nowhere near that mark that we'd like to have yeah, yeah, it's a paradigm shift in the way that you look at that. Yeah. That's, that is yeah. interesting. Yeah, be be resourceful. You've, you've got a resource. How can you exploit it as much as possible for the benefit of the organization? But and, for, and but for them equally. Proud. Yeah, be super proud of what you have managed to achieve yeah. within the constraints that you do have. Yeah, nice. Really, really good. Um, the importance here is, and, and a lot of what you're talking about, they're just reflective questions, aren't they? Constantly mm. asking different questions of yourself and the organization. You know, what can yeah. we do with this? Yeah. Where are we here? And um, part of that, comes and if we're to breed that within a within an organization there's an element of of education of course for the workforce um mm-hmm. breeding an environment which encourages learning and self-improvement again what are the the different strategies that you might use within an organization to encourage that to encourage your team to really uh be responsible for themselves to grow and develop into their role as opposed to being given everything um you know that individual really taking it amongst themselves and having some ownership over their own development yeah, I, I, I think a n- number of choices there. So you, you could do something along the lines of, you know, once a month you have uh, a whole session that is handed over to the gymnasts. Okay. To go and go, right, it's your session to run. You've got the resource here that you'd normally have on this evening. Um, what do you want to practice? What do you want doing? What, you know, what what is going to be success for you for this session? And, let you know, let's turn the tables and see what you can get from that and it will be your job to tell us what you need it will be your job to then react and respond to how how we give you that but it will be your job to evaluate what impact has that session had and what would you do next time to to make that session have the same or more impact next time around so i think you know just just again shifting a paradigm mm. who, who's in charge if you want people to get better at self-improvement, give them the opportunity to sort of, you know, structure improvement sessions themselves, um, and then they can think about how they would work from from that from their own perspectives. And, and I think the the other the other thing that's that, that's relatively straightforward, Nick, is is to what extent are the kind of the learning cycles explicitly built into all of the conversations? You know, that obvious plan, do, review what's the frequency with which they are done and what's the visibility of them. Um, and then, again, that gives you the opportunity not just for the coaches to be the person who's constantly doing the planning, overseeing the doing, and then um, being in charge of the reviewing. You can then start to kind of, you know, share the collaboration for that and it become much more of a joint uh, learning uh, relationship. Uh, and, and, in, and in that way, it becomes less of that hierarchical piece. Well, coach says this, I do this. It becomes much more of that, um, you know, shared responsibility. And and I've I've talked to people a lot about you know the 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 relationship between coach and performer actually being a performance variable. 
you know, so the better that relationship is and the more trust there is going both ways, actually that becomes a really, really important um, commodity to have when it's competition time. Mm. Because the gymnast is then thinking, right, I can't wait to show my coach what I'm going to be able to do rather than thinking, right, you know, I hope I don't do it wrong or I hope, you know, I don't do X, I don't do Y. You, you, you just, you're shifting some of some of that as well. And I think all of that comes from a learning commitment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just just coming back to things that can be measured. Because mm. um, we live in a world now where a lot of things are, are going towards data-driven and then yeah. some of the yeah. K- KPIs for gymnastics organizations are quite easy and simple. It could be how much revenue they're making, how many members they've yeah. got, what their competition results are. I feel that a lot of the content that we're talking about on this episode are things which are much harder to get a real measurement on mm-hmm. is that something that some organizations that you work with struggle with certainly in the business world because they are driven so much by kpis and figures yeah definitely definitely because you know what what you are really doing here is, is 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 asking people to step into the world of being a psychologist where everything that we talk about is subjective and it and it is it is based upon you know well I might be able to indirectly measure it in some way, but it's going to be far easier for me and you to have some regular conversations about, right, what what does good look like on this particular thing, Nick? Give me your description of that. Now let's create a scale together and now let's start using that scale and your subjective expertise and my helping you calibrate that. I'm, go- I'm going to pretty much guarantee that we'll get good at using that subjective scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's still a form of measurement. And if that measurement is being done by people who have got expertise and a deep understanding of stuff, it's a trustable subjective scale as well. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's hard for people to get that, get their head around that. But you have to play the game of saying, if I don't do this as an expert and if I'm not in charge of these subjective measurements and, and you know, someone else will be who is less expert and it won't and we won't get the quality of information from this very important source, which is our thoughts and feelings and our professional judgments. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That makes absolute sense. Uh, Chris, I think we can wrap it up there. That's just so much value, so much information in that. Um, Definitely a lot of time for reflection for the audience um, and a lot of really, really important questions. I would imagine that the audience will listen to this episode a couple of times to to bring all all of that out, but um, just really grateful for your time. Um, I know that you've got some other resources online which are, are yeah. really beneficial to to the audience. So, would you mind just sharing a little bit about the performance room and Planet Two K uh, Two? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So, um, Planet K Two, lots of information on planetk2.com about us as an organisation and what we do, and sort of you know some of the spirit and philosophy that we use. So, um, that's kind of the I, I guess the 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 business page that you would if you want to find out more about the organisation, go there. However, if you are sort of uh, uh, to any degree obsessed with performance, uh, theperformanceroom.co.uk. Uh, we have a load of infographics, videos, tools, documents uh, that draw on the work that we do and that we've done since uh, 2003. So there's a load of stuff that we've pulled together there that uh, a lot of it is freely available, even without signing up. If you do want to sign up as a rookie member, just go in. You just need to share an email address and nothing else, and you'll be you'll get much better curated content. But stuff there on uh, building cultures, building teams, uh, motivation, um, performing under pressure, uh, uh, coaching, uh, building coaching into organisations. Uh, 
all sorts of different stuff in, in you know around human performance so you know we'd love as many people as possible to go along there crack up crack on join the community and sort you know get involved and there's a there's a lot of great stuff that we're sharing regularly yeah i can vouch for that being a subscriber myself um there is a there's a stack of amazing content in there so uh thank you for for that um contribution everything that you do for the for the community as well much appreciated and yeah. uh, I'll, I'll add a link to um this episode to to, to send people in that direction as well because it's a definitely yeah. a resource i'd recommend people get into so um chris thank you so much really appreciate your time uh look forward to the next time we can have another conversation maybe getting you yeah. in for another inner circle meeting but until then see you later thank you so yeah. much thanks a lot nick take care thanks for listening to the gymnastics growth show If you've enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes or your chosen podcast player, subscribe, leave a review and share the show with your network. See you next time.